Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. <laughs> Hi. Hi there. So today on the show, we are going to talk about three movies, The Thing, The Fly, and the Blob, which we consider to be three successful 80s remakes of older movies. Uh, on the internet, you can go around getting all kinds of lists of successful 80s remakes. 80s was a huge time mm-hmm. for sci-fi remakes in particular. And just sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi yeah. in general. And then sci-fi remakes are, there's a ton of them. I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is one of my favorites, yep. etc. There's a, just a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So, But we picked three, and they all start with the... that they do so how about we start with the thing sure since this is a crowd favorite man but you know this is john carpenter's like favorite movie he ever made well and i don't blame him yeah it's exceptional yeah it's really good three four five times now and i haven't been i haven't seen it you know i didn't watch it back in the 80s so it's only been the last 10 years where i've been turned down to a lot of these movies the thing is a 1982 horror sci-fi movie a hundred i mean uh, i'm sorry one hour and 48 minutes long let me give you a quick synopsis so you know what we're dealing with because you never know you might be new to this movie so he, it's a pretty terrifying villain. Absolutely. I mean, you and I are both fans of practical effects. Mm-hmm. And all three of these movies are built on practical yeah, effects. Yeah, and for that time, all three of these looked great. They looked great. And I would say, although our minds and brains and eyes are used to looking at CG now, I believe the effects in the thing held up. I do too. Because... That upside down head spider. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, is (laughs) and to me, I think it it's more terrifying with the traditional effects than what CGI would have done with it because there's a creep factor with the puppetry and stuff. Right. Well, what I can tell you is this: is I watch. I also watch. Did a bonus watch of the thing, which is in two from 2011. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't have great critical or audience reviews or whatever like like people don't apparently seem to like but i really liked it Mm. but yes cg yeah and yes they did a version of the upside down head spider only it wasn't just the head it was the whole body of Mm -hmm. the sky and Mm -hmm. it's like an upside down spider and there's this scene where it sort of smashes into the sky and then becomes something else i will not ruin it for you but it's pretty badass Mm. (laughs) But it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. And there's a creep factor, like Kathy's saying, in the original, it's not even the original because this is a remake, but in the 1980s, the thing. Our original. Our, yeah, our original. Unless we were exactly. alive in 1938. I wasn't around for the 19 whatever. 38, yeah. I wasn't around for that one. But there's this creep factor because it's kind of because they had to light things really low light (laughs) because it helps with the things not looking particularly real and looking fake and hiding wires and stuff is things were often lit very low light. Mm. So there's that creepy. So it's dark and creepy (laughs) and 
I don't know. What else did you like about this movie? I really like Kurt Russell's performance. Kurt Russell's great. I think the the cast was a lot of fun. Um, I like the mystery where you're sort of guessing. You know, there's one popular interpretation that child is act- Childs is actually the thing. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of, I think, fan fiction around who really is the thing. Uh-huh. And um, so you're, you are sort of wondering this whole time, you know, because it, it does shape shift and you're like, what is, who's the origin of this thing? And, and at the, at the end, I've done a little bit of research and said that that was one popular interpretation, but yeah, there's just this kind of like constant mystery. Um, and, and you feel like you're on this ride while you're watching it. And that's why I think for me watching this version of it, because I do love practical effects so much, it it does very much feel like a ride for me. And I I do think that the movie still holds. And like you said, the performances are great. The cast is fun. Um, It's just a really, it's a ride. Yeah. I like the, I think the ride is because the suspense is really well plotted. Yep. And I think just like alien in the sense that there's a lot of buildup and then boom, once it hits, there's this suspense and, killings and special effects and things <laughs> and you know start to go really awry and and it's all because it's also this very clear discussion piece on the mass masculinity in crisis because mm-hmm. it's all male right yep. so i mean i think that's an interesting part of it mm-hmm. that carpenters you know kind of attacking in a not heavy-handed way which is great and also in a way that's incredibly entertaining and you don't really need to see the seriousness of it. But if you, if you look at it, it's, it's men in crisis and yep. how they act with each other, Yep, which I think is really metaphoric. Like who's the monster? Yeah. Is the monster inside us? You know, we yeah. can go all of that. And I think that the, even though it is an all male cast, like the way that he develops all of them, you're not like annoyed by this hyper masculinity they mm-hmm. do it in a way where they're all sort of likable mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, I find that to be true yeah and um they're all even though you know kurt russell's kind of headline like leading all of this they all have a camaraderie they all care about each other it's not like this overly testosterone you know sometimes you watch these movies and the characters are really surface and you have the one dick guy who's just like i'm calling the shots and blah blah. you don't really see that in this like it's masculinity in crisis, but they're all like very likable together. I don't know. And I appreciated that, especially for its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I enjoy this movie. It's one of the ones that I like to rewatch now in the snow. Mm-hmm. Like when I, I'm, I imagine we mentioned it in our frost, ice and snow episodes along the way. I think we did <laughs> because yeah. it's, a, it's a favorite movie of a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the favorites. I will say that the thing 2011, although it might not be your thing, but <laughs> um, is that because the 1982, the thing is so revered. Yeah. It's so looked up to it's, a wonderful movie it's something you can rewatch over and over again great performances great effects good suspense good plotting great creatures etc that it's hard because but the 2011 i don't really want to spoil it but it it's it's connected yeah to this movie mm-hmm. they connect it 
And, okay. and I find that interesting. And I think it's just a good ride in that sense. Is the thing 2011 going to be the th- what the thing 1982 is? No. Like yeah. in the lexicon of horror movies, there's such there's a much higher standard for good uh, culturally significant horror movies now. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different standard. Like if you make the thing 1982 now, does mm-hmm. it become a as much of a, a famous horror, you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't think so, but I don't know. So moving on to the fly, which is from 1986. Wow. Uh, this movie still stands for me. It, it still stands up. Yeah. It's a horror sci-fi and it's a romance as well. I think it's an exceptional romance movie, which not a lot of people know that going in because you do get pretty preoccupied with Jeff Goldblum's transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is also well-regarded, well-reviewed, etc. It's an hour and 35 minutes. Let me just read the description just in case you never saw The Fly because this is directed by David Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. So remember that, y'all. When scientist Seth Brundle, who is played by Jeff Goldblum, completes his teleportation device, he decides to test its abilities on himself Unbeknownst to him, a housefly slips in during the process, leading to a merger of man and insect. Initially, Brundle appears to have undergone a successful teleportation, but the fly's cells begin to take over his whole body as he becomes increasingly fly-like. Brundle's girlfriend, who's played by Gina Davis, is horrified as the person she once loved deteriorates in a monster. And by the way, they were dating at the time. So they were in a real, Gina and Jeff were in a real relationship during, before and during the shooting of this movie. Mm. So that gives it an extra zhuzh about their connection. And they definitely have on-screen chemistry. <laughs> I'll, I'll add another fun fact. One of the things I learned uh, in, I think, one of the commentaries is that Cronenberg had to continually tell Gina Davis to stop doing it Jeff's way because what would happen is Gina's such an incredible mimic mm-hmm. is that she would start to deliver lines like Jeff delivered lines and they're in a relationship yeah. too. So they're together all the time. And so she was such a mimic that she would start to do the lines in the movie like Jeff would oh, do them. Funny. Cronenberg would have to cut and say, Gina, do it like Gina. Don't do it like Jeff. And oh, she, that's funny. And she'd go, yes, okay, right, okay, sorry. Yes, I was doing it. You know, <laughs> she knew she was doing it. She just needed to be corrected. It yeah. was funny. I, I really, I've always liked this movie. Yeah. And I've always liked her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she plays a strong character, especially for this time. You didn't really see female leads with this sort of, Yeah, uh, she just, you know, she's very assertive and she's like, I'm out. You're abusive. Right. Because he does, he ends up becoming incredibly abusive and grandiose and manic and all this once he, um, and I think it, it is sort of uh, a metaphor for, you know, any, um, you know, we see relationships, not where somebody turns into a fly, but something happens where, um, I don't know, they come into money, they come into fame, they come into some sort of change that changes their persona and the other person's like, I don't, I don't know you mm-hmm. and I'm not staying here. Right. Um, and he, and just like in those relationships, the abusive person will say, fine, I'll find somebody else or mm-hmm. I'll, you know, and they end up being the ones who ends up being like the alcoholic and yep. sleeping around and all this stuff. And the healthy person's like, thank God I got out. Right. Um, so there's that dynamic happening all in the midst of this psychological body horror film yes. where he's, you know, transforming into this thing that essentially becomes terrifying and just like with narcissism 
as they age, they start to fall apart and he, you know, starts to decompensate mentally and physically. And, you know, he gives into this drug, he gives into this dopamine, he gives into his mania, into his grandiosity. And what ends up happening is he essentially, you know, self-destructs. And so I think it's such a metaphor for what happens when someone becomes obsessed with themselves. Well, it's an addiction movie for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. you could absolutely put this on, you know, a list of uh, addiction movies metaphor. And Cronenberg deals with this in his career on the reg, actually, like addiction, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to mention that this movie won an Oscar for the makeup. Yeah. And apparently that's the only Oscar that any of Cronenberg like that Cronenberg has been associated with any like movie or any, like he wasn't for his work, but yeah, that's the only one he's been a party to, okay. um, which I was surprised at, but I think he's gotten some like foreign film. Ones, oh, totally. But, like cons. Yeah. We're that, talking but, but, American. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they, you know, have weird taste, but well, um, we have our taste. So. Yeah. What can you do? But the, yeah, I, I think this is a great movie for on so many different levels. And I think the eighties were, I know this is, this didn't, this film's not from the 80s, but the 80s brought back a lot of the sci-fi films that had a lot of uh, existential crises. You know, when we look back at the old, like, 60s, 50s, It is. It's 60s. 1986. Yeah, 1986. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um, but the original is, the ni- is, I think, 1958. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so the, the 50s and 60s where, you know, their sci-fi was more about the end of the world and all of that. I think in the 80s it had even more of, like, an existential sort of... I, I've always liked this movie. It's always scared the shit out of me too. I remember seeing it when I was a kid and seeing the makeup and just being like, what? Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things. I mean, as we know, horror taps into, you know, primal fears mm-hmm. and they, and they directly confront your primal fears. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does that very effectively because, because there's this emotional and romantic part of it. Gina's character really has to kill the the man she loves. Mm-hmm because of his addiction because of because he he needs to die mm-hmm. and because he's become he also there at the end becomes you know Frankenstein wants a wife kind of thing yeah <laughs> you know he wants her to change with him mm-hmm. and then and then he turns into you know he he has the final metamorphosis where there's very little Jeff left Brundle is his name but and and I heard Cronenberg speaking about how he intentionally made the creature's eyes not fly eyes, mm-hmm. but Jeff's eyes. Yeah. So the whole time the creature is a fly and you see it turn into a big, gross human fly type thing. But the eyes are always human. not fly like they're human. I love that scene where he's crawling up the wall. Yeah. The first time you see him like crawling up the wall with his like. Yes, all practically done. All practically done. So cool. That's such a great scene. Yeah, and he does it again later, I think. Those are those are really great effects. I just I like Oh, the other thing I learned about this movie was that baboon. (laughs) Did you did you like the baboon? Oh yeah. So the baboon so baboons don't get trained. They can't train a baboon. I mean they're they're aggressive and vicious. But what happened on the set was that for whatever reason, Jeff Goldblum became was dominant to the baboon the baboon the baboon uh related to jeff like a dominant like an alpha interesting and that's how they could get away with a lot of the um 
the baboon like jumping into his arms and cuddling with him and stuff it makes it look like the baboon is you know friendly and like a baboon you can train like an ant monkey you can train but Mm -hmm. it's because it responded to jeff as an alpha and apparently on the set they had to use that many times because if there hadn't been an alpha on the set that 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 the animal was relating to that way the women on the set could have been in a lot of trouble sure oh yeah there's a lot of oh yeah there was a lot of uh not you know you know scary moments type of thing but but jeff could wrangle him yeah they're very they're very aggressive when i was in africa (laughs) my guide would be like don't get too close to him like yeah i need to get this picture he's like okay i'm just letting you know i mean you know if you want to get your nose bit off perfect they're they're, they're mean (laughs) enjoy they're funny but they're mean right and i mean cronenberg was a junior uh, is a junior like entomologist so Mm -hmm. this makes sense like Mm -hmm. this fly stuff that he would be interested in anyway holds up it's a bit of a brutal romance story in many ways it's a tragedy so if you get connected to that part of this movie you could actually go on a bit of an emotional journey if you connect to them at all so the third movie we're lumping in with these uh we think successful remakes uh in the 80s is the blob can we talk about kevin dillon and his mullet if you like i I totally forgot it was him because i loved entourage i did too and watching him so young he was very young and he had a very uh, this movie was made in 1988. Horror sci-fi again, hour and 35 minutes. Uh, not as widely good reviewed as the first two movies <laughs> we said. Mm-hmm. This one's a little bit more controversial. Some people think it's bad. Some people think it's great. I mean, it's got B-movie charm. And I, I like it because of the B-movie charm. Uh, I mean, the original was Steve McQueen in 1958. Yeah. It, so, I yeah. mean, it's hard. That's, you know, yeah. hard to outdo with Kevin Dillon. But yeah, um, it was. Yep, it's a rough. He was sell. all right, though. He was decent, and he it. was fine. This I mean, one, it's a B movie. What are you going to do? This one was just more fun for me, and I don't know if I had ever watched it all the way through. I think I saw parts of it when I was a kid, but it's just to me, it's like a classic, fun, mindless horror film with a lot of tropes. I mean, like, it's called the Blob. For yeah, it's sake. called the Blob. So, but let me just give the little synopsis for those of you who may have not seen it because it's California kids. This was shot uh, largely in Griffith Park. <laughs> There's a lot of Griffith Park scenes, which in the 80s and I would argue probably in the 90s as well, Griffith Park was definitely a uh, dumping ground for uh, film film and television there's so much griffith park in film and television during if it was shot in la in the 80s and 90s because it was it's like so much land you can make it look like anything so anyway lots of griffith park in here in a tiny california town high school students brian which is kevin dillon meg which is shawnee smith she's in a lot of stuff and paul donovan leach Mm -hmm. discover a strange gelatinous substance (laughs) that melts the flesh of any living creature in its path. And I I did learn that they used acid in some of those scenes. So sometimes when you see like the drips from the ceiling come down, they actually use real acid so that it would give off that or whatever. The deadly substance gets into the town sewer system where it begins growing uncontrollably, occasionally emerging to feast on unsuspecting townspeople. I love the part where it's like all of a sudden the blob is like massive. Oh, I know a military cleanup crew is sent to eliminate the menace and it may end, end up doing more harm than good. Shawnee Smith won a best young actress in a horror mystery motion picture for young artists awards for this. She did. She ended up doing a lot. Yeah. She's in a lot of stuff, a pretty famous actress. Um, and in a, you know, some, some B movie 
good stuff. It won, some, it won some effects stuff back in the day. There were, stu- for the time, like, stunning practical effects. Yeah. Like, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, the, like I said, I mean, there's some really fun scenes. The scene in the um, in the sewer. Yeah. Where the, the mom and the kids are swimming and the trying to get away from this thing. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Dillon comes, pulls her out. And then, the, you know, they lose the one kid. And just the effects of, like when you see him come up out of the blob and he's all eaten, you know, yeah. it just has a, it has a very eighties horror. Yes. Uh, it reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark when the guy melts, you know, it's that same sort of yes. practical effect stuff that I appreciate and love so much. So it's, it's a fun, it's just fun. It's fun. I think the effects hold up. I mean, they want, like you said, they won awards and they do hold up just like the other movies we've been talking about. I mean, I think, I don't think we said it, but I think the flies effects hold up really well too. This one in in I don't know how different it, this one is from the other two, but I can say that this film, at least how the filmmakers talk about it, is that they were tre- it was treated like an indie film because TriStar was changing hands at the time, mm-hmm. and so they complain a lot about not getting a a budget for press and not getting the release that they wanted and not getting the attention they wanted because TriStar was changing hands. So the politics of Hollywood, which often happens, you guys may wonder why sometimes really good movies or fun movies get buried or like, why doesn't anybody know about this movie type of thing? Like sometimes that's just politics and business and there's only so many movies they can pay attention to at once. And so because the politics of the time TriStar was changing hands, uh, they talk about how this movie just really didn't get what they thought was the attention it should have. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm more, I'm more tending to agree with you as far as like, this is eighties fun and how much mm-hmm. more attention could it have gotten? Yeah. But I imagine it could have gotten seen by more people. It only made like eight, less than $8 million. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think that's right. No. Like I think it should have made, especially even just for the effects. Right. Because, and maybe that's because the stars weren't, Super fancy. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Kevin Dillon. Kevin Dillon. Replacing Steve McQueen or whatever. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) come on now. I do like, I mean, I think you do too. I do really like how it's got that 80s high school vibe with the dude on, you know, Kevin on the motorcycle. That opening scene where he's down in the beer. Like the movie Christine or, you know, any of those like shot in the 80s, high school, bad boy, good boy. It also had the flavor of not trusting the government uh, when it had to do with aliens and science right, back which in the was 80s. very much the deal. I then. mean, E.T. we saw it in E.T., yeah. we saw it in this. We, I mean, that was a big theme, right? So mm-hmm. this kind of fell in line with that. But So what was it like for you watching these three movies again? I mean, did you, had you watched them in a while? Oh, or? my gosh. I mean, The the Fly, I remembered the most. The, okay. the thing... I've, you know, since I saw it years ago, I've, I've only really watched bits and pieces of it since then, but Mm -hmm. I remember more of the fly as a kid, which would make sense because it was, it's the newest of the three, I believe. Mm -mm. I don't think so. 
Is it? I don't know. I'll well, look at it. 1980. I mean, 19, the thing I think is like 1982. Oh yes, that's the first. Yeah. Oh no, 88 is the blob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, think I, I still remember the fly. I, think I did them in order. <laughs> yeah. I think the, I think the flies remember the most. I mean, it's nostalgic, right? It just takes us back to what well, you know. And it a lot was of Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Yeah. And it was that time in your life, and it was they were big stars. That's right. And so I can see why you would remember. And it was yeah. much more mainstream than it the was. Blob. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about the how thing. I was it, I was very young when the thing came out but but yeah i mean it's nostalgic to go back and watch these and and how much horror you know there's different themes in different decades you know like the 70s we have just like the torture porn and all this the 80s was big for sci-fi and government secrets and ufos and all that and that's a lot of this was you know about that yeah it had those themes for sure so my answer to that same question would be that I've seen the thing recently. I think I saw it in October. I think I watched it in my October Palooza <laughs> or December Palooza or one of those months that's, you know, good to watch snowy movies in. So I had watched that pretty recently. So, but I always enjoy that watch. That yeah. was great. The Fly I had probably not seen since the 80s. Mm-hmm. So that was super fun to revisit because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Jeff Goldblum. I think he's just the perfect blend of uh, nerd plus athlete plus smart. He's like hot and... And he has this effortless delivery, even in Jurassic Park. I just like how he delivers. He just has a very unique way about him. And he happens to be, I find, an attractive man. And I think that's fantastic. And he's naked in the fly. He is. I mean... Why not? Right. Uh, and so, and it was, and I forgot how much of a romance it was. Yep. I really forgot that part. So I, I was excited by that movie. Yeah. The Blob, I'm not sure I ever saw it. I, I don't know if I, I mean, I think again, it's like, you know, in the eighties, nineties, you've like cable stuff playing in the background sometimes or whatever. Like, I think I had seen pieces of it. I don't, I don't remember or, sitting I mean, who knows, it. right? Yeah. Well, and so that's perfectly in line with what we said. It yeah. just didn't get the traction didn't. that the that the others did. And The Fly had very famous actor and actress right. in it. So, I mean, that just makes sense. And but, same with the thing. Exactly. But I enjoyed watching all three for different reasons mm-hmm. and uh, was happy to do this wonderful cult classic movies yeah. episode with you. A bit of fun. It was. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.